my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that, yes boy. And thank you very much for tuning in to the last recap podcast for 2021, where unfortunately we're having to talk about two consecutive all black losses to round out 2021. Uh, once again, I'm joined by the brother Josh Rippin. Mate, what was yesterday's performance? Not great. <laughs> two <laughs> words, great. Um, yeah, from A to Z, everything was was pretty poor. Unfortunately, I think we lacked execution in the forwards got mauled um up front i think our set piece didn't really perform to to what we were hoping that the fresh legs probably didn't provide as much impact as we would have liked and, and ultimately that gave um the backs were getting a lot of back football um and unfortunately the cracks started to show of a, of a long season and yeah it wasn't a great performance overall 24 6 at half time 18 points is the largest deficit any all black side in their history has ever had to face and I mean, it was an ugly showing. I mean, like our set piece defense, like you mentioned with the malls in the first half, pretty soft. Like you talk about like turning up and trying to withstand the impact that the crowd has, you know, in those opening minutes when everyone's off their seat. But, you know, Geordie shanks it off the side of the boot, like worst possible start. And then from there, just it just seems to be like the, it was the same thing going back to last weekend. Our skill execution our inability to get front football like we were getting bashed around by I think what is a relatively inexperienced French team I had a stat um well, I pulled it from what Justin Wilson Jeff Wilson sorry said after the game he said six of the 23 that were fielded on Sunday morning had experience playing the All Blacks so wow. three quarters of a team had never played them before and then you think about our big dogs you know Smith Whitelock, Retallick, Coles, Moody, like these are all guys that have been to World Cup, multiple World Cups, played against the best teams in the world, and they got beat up by, you know, a bunch of boys, really. And I, I know I just quickly mentioned it to you off air. Third loss for 2021, the last time we did that was back in 2009. So that's how long it's been between um, when we last lost three tests in a calendar year. And lost to the South Africans, they kicked the ball away, played their typical game plan. Last week against the Irish, they kept the ball in hand and outdid us. But then this week, the French actually played a style very similar to ours, and they added in their typical French flair. So three different game plans. You know, I mean, the defense was pretty much the same across the park for you know the line speed just nullified our ability to get to the advantage line. But then our attack, yeah, woeful again. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we were the the attack. It all really starts with the defense, so to be honest. I think we we lacked a lot of line speed on defense. We were giving up easy meters around the ruck, and they were sniping it, and we weren't able to really execute it and kind of get those turnovers. I think I saw a stat that we turned the pill over only two or three times in the whole game, um, which we thought would be a little bit high with Sam Kane coming in. But you know, to the French's credit, they did nullify that a lot. And then in terms of attack, I think a lot of our kicks, a lot of our box kicks were, were kind of not executed to the level we would have liked. Um, and I think we really struggled to penetrate at, at key moments. An example of that is just before halftime, not being out of score, but we didn't need to flick that final pass. We could have taken that to ground and, and that would have really shifted them in momentum going into halftime. So I think, I think it was just a lack of execution, to be honest, um, on a lot of fronts. And like I said, we were getting a lot of back football, which was putting our, our 9, 10, 11, uh, 12 under pressure. Now, I know you have a bit of refereeing experience, so you'll know the breakdown a lot better than me. 
What is it with the All Blacks of late and not being able to slow down good teams' ball? Yeah, it's interesting. I thought we would have got over the ball a lot. My sort of takeaway was is that we're not actually getting over the ball to get the turnover. And whether that's the selection that we haven't previously picked a, a, a seven that's a fetcher, we've gone for more of a dynamic tackler in that sense that really to bring that physical edge. But at the end of the day, you, you need to be getting over the board and be making those turnovers. And I don't think we're actually attempting a lot of those turnovers. And mm. probably on Saturday, we, we might have missed having a, um, a Cody Taylor of likes that acts as that fourth loose forward per se. But yeah, we're simply not getting over the ball enough compared to when you look at the Wallabies, for example. Hooper is getting over the ball constantly and, and trying to get those turnovers. So I guess that's something to, to look at leading into next year. I mean, like in fairness, though, like if we're going to try and talk about some positives from that game, the All Blacks did work themselves back into the contest during that third quarter and had that chip kick bounce a little bit funnier for Intermac when he had to take it into his own end goal, maybe they tackle him, force a five-meter scrum, and the All Blacks score from there. But that that was the, the biggest momentum shift. I mean, like he, he did fucking well to get out of there. I don't know how he did it at Houdini. And then... Team marches 90 meters up the other way, and then Artie Sphere goes to the bin. Yeah, I think I think we needed to hustle. That those are kind of those split second plays that can change a game. And I think Moanga might have missed the tackle in the end goal, um, and then maybe Jordi he slipped past Jordi or another player, and that was that was really the difference. That was the turning point um, in the game from my point of view. So it just shows that sometimes it's that 50-50 play that that can swing a game, and that's ultimately what happened. But, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, a couple of rising points in, in that game, especially I thought Rico Ioani had an outstanding game. I thought Quinn Tapia showed glimpses of being able to carry the ball really strongly. Um, I thought Will Jordan was exceptional in, in the first half, and I think he showed some really strong signs. So it wasn't all bad, but I think there's a lot to work on leading into next year. So, well, I, I mentioned before 12, and you just made a quick mention to Tapia as well. It seems to be the case that if we're going, if we're going to want to play the style that we want to, and at moments during the game, our forwards or the All Black forwards aren't getting, you know, they're they're not in the ascendancy. We need someone to turn to to chip in, and so I think that maybe Havili's days are numbered at twelve because that's just not his game. You know, like I mean, I like the player, I like the skill set that he offers, but it's shown for the second week in a row. And you can go back to both the games against the Springboks where he, his game was nullified. You know, is, is Tupaya our guy going into the next World Cup or can RTS fill that space? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly going to be interesting. I think Quinn's shown this season that he's a really dynamic ball carrier. He gets over the game line. He's aggressive. Um, he hits harder. And that's kind of probably what we're needing in that 12, especially if we're getting back football at times. Um, or, or he's hitting the game line at a flat pace. I think he needs a really big season for Anton to let that combination flourish at the Chiefs. And mm-hmm. they're only going to get better after another season together. And then, like you said, Roger Tuiabashek playing 12, it's going to provide a different dynamic and an opportunity for um, for him to show his colours. So I think it's going to be a competitive spot 12 next year with, you know, between um, David, Roger Tuiabashek and Quinn, as well as 13. You've got Goodhue coming back into it, Anton, Rico Ioani playing outstandingly. Um, as well as Umanga Jensen coming into the mix. So, I mean, it's a pretty competitive midfield, and uh, which is which is ultimately only going to be um, good leading into the next World Cup. And I guess the biggest question I have to ask you out of everything is, Fozzy, the knives have come out. And, I mean, I've looked at like a lot of polls, Facebook, Instagram, even in the stuff comments. Not the most popular man at the moment. And it was only a month ago that the NZRU backed him through to the next World Cup off the back of games against 
Fiji, Tonga, and Australia, who aren't the flashiest teams in the world either at the moment. Uh, and now it looks like it was a move that was made prematurely. But after offering that contract and him signing on the dotted line, I mean, you know, if, if we look back through the course of history, it doesn't, I mean, like the NZRU, and you, the NZRU aren't known for making bold moves like this to where they cut their losses. But I mean, for like for you, like what do you think is the best decision? Do you think that Razor could come in now and make such a drastic change that we'd be the front runners for the World Cup? I think realistically, they're probably not going to get rid of Foster. I don't see it happening. I think the NZAU are pretty staunch in their viewpoint of him and they've backed him publicly today. I thought it was interesting that Razor Ray came out and, and said that he's not going to reveal his opinions on the situation. Um, personally, I'm a big Razor fan. I think the Crusaders have played outstanding football over the last five, 10 years. And I think he would add that little bit of um, a great dynamic to the coaching group, something different, especially around that, that line speed that we seem to be having a problem with. But in saying that, if Fozzie comes out and has a massive season next year, then everyone's going to be back on back on the team Foster bus. So I think New Zealand rugby is pretty fickle in that sense, where, where we seem to change our opinion on people overnight. Um, if you remember, it was only a few months ago that people were saying that Bowden Barrett's passed it and now he's the number one first five in the country. So I, I think that's important to, to keep in mind. But it'll be interesting to see how we come out next year. I think that's going to be really telling for, for Foster. And if it's not a great season, do we switch to Scott Robinson uh, leading into the World Cup year? Or if it is a fantastic season, then, then obviously the All Black selectors and uh, NZAU have made a great choice. I guess that's the thing, right? I was even thinking to myself, like, what sort of change Robertson would bring, whether he'd be more impactful on the man management side or on the tactical side of things. But I think his, you know, his track record speaks for itself in terms of the success he's had, both at the age group level, then with Canterbury, and then with the Crusaders. And he is a little bit different. I mean, like, I'm just repeating what everybody else has read or what everybody else knows. You know, Foster's pretty much collected the job after being under Henry and Hanson. So it was just a continuation. And I think like, you know, the All Blacks are no different to any business or any company to where stuff can get a little bit stale. I mean, players mm. are never going to come out and say that, but I don't know. They just, they don't look like killers, you know, like, you, you know, when the All Blacks used to play and the, like there was there almost that aura of invincibility or that, you know, like the All Blacks were never down and out. Whereas the last couple of weeks, I just, you know, as soon as the All Blacks sort of got behind by 10 points, the, the body language and the way they responded to things, like I think it just doesn't look fluid. Like there's just not that oozing of confidence that um, we're, we're used to as All Black fans. And I was having this conversation with my mate actually after the game. And I don't know, I'm, maybe, you know, I'm speaking from a very privileged position because I've been around long enough. Like I, like I remember 2007, right? Like I remember the, the heartbreak of losing in that quarterfinal, the four pass, yada, yada, yada. But from there, us as All Black fans have been pretty fortunate to watch a golden era of rugby to where we, there was just this expectation where the All Blacks just dominated everyone else, and they did. And maybe now, you know, the rest of the world's caught up. And that's a good thing. Like, I like more competitive games. I mean, the last thing you want is the All Blacks winning by 20, 30 points every weekend. Like, you want to have these exciting sorts of games. But, yeah, it's just, it's just like that. that's like sort of like the the thing for me at the moment it's like well yeah maybe this is normal like maybe what i'm used to watching was just very 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 rare i think it's good for world rugby having all these different teams competing on a really high level you've got you know the Springboks, the australians uh, obviously the english the irish 
um, the French. I think you've probably got seven or eight teams that could potentially win the World Cup going into the next one, um, which is great for the overall standard of the world rugby. It's, it's a spectacle and more people want to watch. And I think that's something that we also have to remember is that we need to grow the game. Um, that's the other thing. The game is not growing as fast as what it probably was five, 10 years ago in New Zealand, especially. So how can we continue to grow the game, make it more competitive um, and, and ultimately remain a spectacle? I think that, that the All Blacks are there or thereabouts, but a couple of minor tweaks, they'll, they'll be ready to go. Mm, mm. The other thing I, I, I picked out was just the, the the difference in the side, right? Like if you look across maybe some of like, you know, the better teams that we've had, so you go from maybe like 2010 through to be 2017. If, if you look at like the makeup of the team, they sort of had like the old heads and then they sort of had the guys who had sort of been around a while and then they had the young bucks. So you think about like when Bowden Barrett and Aaron Smith came into the fold, you know, they were around some pretty experienced dudes. And so they almost just had to go on and do their role. Whereas I think like at the moment when you're getting guys like Will Jordan, Quintu Paya, uh, Akira Iwani, maybe they are doing their roles, but because the team isn't delivering, because not everyone's delivering, you know, a nine out of 10 in their own role, that's what's sort of making it look like they aren't performing as they should. But yeah, like you said, I... I'm not sure if it's a few minor tweaks uh, because two losses in a row when, you know, like if, if Ian Foss has been perfectly honest, he knew outside of the, probably those two Springbok games in Australia that these are the games that mattered. So if he had anything planned for the year, you know, this is going back to last year when, when they lost to the Argentinians and had to roll over that summer. He had these two games circled on the calendar to where he knew he had to deliver for them and he hasn't. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. interesting. How, how much can we look into these games, though, right? It was at the end of a really long tour. I feel like mm-hmm. that, like we just spoke about, it was the bounce of the ball. If they had forced that in goal, they'd had a five-meter scrum, they could have scored seven under the sticks. It could be a, a very different conversation we're having on the Monday morning. Um, but to your point, two games in a row, it's really not what we're used to as All Black supporters more than anything. Um, but... You know, I, I am confident that next year they're going to come out with a bit of a revised game plan and, and they've got the whole summer to co- sort of think about that and, and work out where to go next um, because obviously some changes need to be made and they'll be hurting inside. Um, but I think I think like any like any champion team, the All Blacks will come back. It's just how do they do that and how do they build um, for next year? Mm-hmm. And like I said last week, bro, that's not my job to figure that out. I just jump on here with my brothers <laughs> and, and crucify them if they get it wrong. <laughs> it's easy for us to be armchair critics. It's a classic. Exactly, bro. Well, we'll wrap it up there, my man. Um, that's me done for podcasts in 2021. Just want to say thank you once again for your time. Uh, and yeah, look after yourself. Enjoy your summer. Appreciate it.